This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. The Otis River upstate was once a cradle of industry. Its rusty water and yellow-tinted foam lips are partly a legacy of that past and partly the simple fact of iron content in the earth. In the small and getting smaller city of Wattsville, which straddles both sides of the Otis, all the manufacturing plants were closed by the 1970s. But the red brick buildings that line the river's banks make visitors, if there ever are any. Harken back to a time when machinery screamed under giant wooden beams. Trains pulling into the station were regularly delayed by slow-moving freights. And leaded shop windows rippled the fedoras, furs, and crocodile purses of wealthy shoppers downtown. Now, like every other small city in the area, Wattsville struggles. Wages are stagnant. Industry is gone. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Sarah B. Fraser, author of Just River. It's a sweet story about lonely people in a dying town who struggle to make the best of lives that didn't turn out the way they'd planned. Carol is long divorced and has raised her daughter Garnett on her wages as a cashier. Garnett is now in prison after defending herself against a violent boyfriend. He got concussed and his wealthy family made sure she was blamed. Now he's visiting her in prison and she's thinking of going back to him. Carol enlists Sam, her neighbor and best friend, to help her stop Garnett from further ruining her life. But things get complicated when an innocent person is kidnapped Garnet's ribs are broken and a dog is killed. Then the river helps them all. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. Thanks for having me. So how did you come to write Just River? So it was a pretty long process. I, I worked on it for a long time. It started from a short story that I wrote. Um, it was published in Carve. I think it was like 2005 or something, showing my age. But um, it kind of just based on like the Sam character was just the seed that started the whole thing. 
Um, and that was basically, I think I was out at a bar one night and um, there was a guy there in a dress with long hair and um, just like seemed like, just was, you know, we chatted with him a little bit, really nice guy, just seemed totally comfortable in who he was. And somehow it kind of lodged itself, the, that, um, that image um, lodged itself. And so it kind of, the whole thing started with, um, with that character. Mm. We're going to talk some more about him, but um, the book takes place in several places around the town of Wattsville. One of the places is the women's prison. Can you say something about why 20% of Wattsville's population makes up 60% of the inmates? Well, I think that's the case in um, most places. Um, generally across the country, isn't it? I mean, I actually don't, I don't think I did any kind of research for numbers as far as that went. I kind of just went on, you know, what I've heard and what I know. But um, people of color make up a huge percentage of prison populations. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of injustice in this country. And um, so uh, embarrassingly, I didn't, I don't think I did research. I kind of just went with sort of the basic what I know. Okay. So Garnett, Garnett is in prison. Why does she keep a journal that isn't completely safe and could get her in huge trouble? Let's talk about her. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, so I workshopped this novel at one point, um, uh, in a class. I took a class over at Grub Street, um, in Boston and, the person who was leading the class uh, and a few other people as well were saying to me, like the diary thing, it's like, it's, it's strange. It's a weird convention. It's kind of like, can you not just have it in her point of view? And I tried that a little bit and I really liked, I really liked writing her diary. I really wanted it to be in first person and for whatever reason in my head, it made sense to have um, to have it be her diary. Her character is also smart, um, though underachieving, um, and with not the most self-confidence in the world. And I thought it made sense that her character would um, keep a journal um, because I don't know, because she, because she's, because she is sort of a writer at heart, I suppose. Um, and, um, wants to keep track of things and wants to figure things out is really curious about the world. And it seems like people who are, uh, curious about the world, uh, write things down a lot. She so, seems to as, really love it. Yeah. I think, it. Yeah, I think as far as the the danger of it, I don't know how easy it would be for someone to find someone's journal. I feel like that kind of thing would be left alone. Like I don't, I feel like inmates are allowed at least, I mean, I don't really know. I, I did a little bit of research, but I feel like inmates are allowed that much privacy that they can write things and not have others read it. You know? How did and you she do, was, yeah, how did you do research on life in a women's prison? So one of the, one thing I did was um, I read a memoir 
uh, I think it was Christina Rathbone. I put her in my acknowledgments. It's a memoir about life in a women's prison. Um, and then uh, I imagined. So I didn't go visit one or anything like that. I just read that memoir and used my imagination. Mm. But I'm pretty sure like the woman who wrote the memoir, it didn't seem like it was, you know, if she had the diary out like in the yard where she was being harassed or something, someone would have picked it up and read it or made fun. But she's good friends with her roommate. And um, I don't think I think they're you're allowed to have some personal possessions in a prison. So she says, Garnett says something about how one person could put a hex on a whole community. And she recognized that some of the inmates reach out to comfort others, but some can't comfort themselves or anyone else. And I thought that was such a wise observation for, for a 21 year old. Yeah. So that, I think she is wise. I think she's very wise beyond her years in a lot of ways. Um, and just hasn't kind of developed the self-confidence to kind of, um, to match up with, um, her innate wisdom. Yeah. Uh, Carol, Garnett's mom is a kind, accepting person, refreshingly non-judgmental, but she feels like now that she raised Garnett, she can't find a way to move on with her own life. Can you say more about that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think um, she, I think motherhood really was her everything. Um, and she was good at it and under really difficult circumstances and then when she turned out she didn't really have to do that anymore, she just really kind of felt lost. And so part of what happens over the course of the story is her coming, like, kind of figuring out how to have her life again. Uh, I think that happens to a lot of people when your kid grows up. I mean, my kids have just um, gone, to co- gone to college, the two of them. They're both out of the house now. And uh, it's tough <laughs> to figure out, you know, how to what to do with yourself and, and uh, get back to the person you were before in a sense. And I mean, not that you're completely lost, but it's, it's, a, it's, I, I find it, um, I find it can be a little bit, a little bit rough. And she right, was, she's, and, it feels like they'll never grow up and leave. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then they do. And then you're like, damn. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that was for her, for her journey in this is, is, is that is kind of letting, letting go of that motherhood. So, so let's talk about Sam. He lives for karaoke night with his two friends. You write that he loves being a gay man who feels like a woman and dresses like a woman, but he doesn't mind treading water between the two sexes. What an interesting character. He's my favorite one in the book. What do you think about him? Yeah, I really, I, I really love him. I just love him. And I think he's just his own person, you know? I mean, he has his, he has his uh, faults uh, for sure. He can be very selfish. He can be, uh, you know, kind of expect people to take care of him, but he is, um, he is very much his own person. Um, and I, and I really like that about him. And I, I think that there's a lot of people like that in the world. I think, you know, sometimes if we talk about people and the way they are, we tend to Oh, they're, you know, they're this way or they're that way. I think there's actually a lot of people who really are their own, their own person. Um, and th- those people, those people fascinate me and I, and I love them. <laughs> I love people who are their own person. Yeah. Can you say more about Sam's relationship with Chloe and Francine? Yeah, he's, um, so I, 
yeah, he's got kind of a he's got a little bit of a tense relation, a little bit uh, slightly troubled. He's better. I mean, Chloe and Francine. My hope was that uh, that they're not kind of caricatures. Chloe is his better friend than Francine. Francine's a little bit bitchy. Um, uh, but Chloe is a, Chloe's been basically a, a good person. Um, he goes down, he stays with Chloe when he goes to the city, um, for his audition. And, um, I, I like her better than I like Francine. Francine's kind of, it's kind of snooty, but I mean, she's good too. You know, I think he really likes them. He, and you know, he, 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 I don't want to give away anything at the end, so I won't say that, but, um, he likes them a lot. They, they totally accept him. His relationship with Carol is, is also very good, but it's more, um, more what's, what's the word when you, um, ah, the word's gone. There it goes. Uh, when you rely on somebody, uh, what's that word? (laughs) Uh, hmm. well, you're a writer. <laughs> I know, have to come I know. They, don't, they don't come. <laughs> Sometimes I have to think for a while for the words to come out. Um, yeah, it's a little bit more codependent, a little more codependent mm-hmm. with Carol, you know, um, whereas Chloe and Francine aren't really as close, but um, are also much more hands off and much more needy. I mean, much less needy. Sorry, Carol's much more needy in his friendship. So um, it's just a very different kind of a friendship than what he has with, uh, with Carol. Um, If there's a bad guy in the story and there are, there might be a few, but one of them is Ethan. Can you say a few words about him? Yeah, there's not much good to say about him. I mean, I really like characters to have uh, complex and multifaceted um, personalities um, and, and she, you know, there were some good things about him, but he's really getting lost. You know, he was brought up really badly. His mom and is a bitch. His dad is not, um, is really not around at all. And he kind of, he just, he doesn't fight his way out of it, out of that. You know, if you're brought up badly, you have to fight your way out a little bit. You can choose to do that, or you can kind of choose to, um, follow the, the path that your parents kind of laid out for you. And he kind of does that. He doesn't really, he doesn't really fight back. Um, So I don't have a lot of respect for him. Um, He's human. uh, And there's a, you know, maybe down the road, he will, he'll wake up a little bit, but he is, he is definitely the bad guy. Not quite as bad probably as his mother. (laughs) His mother had really no redeeming qualities whatsoever. But, um, but yes, he is uh, not a good person. We find out at the very beginning of the book that mm-hmm. uh, Garnett is in prison because she tried to defend herself against mm-hmm. him being abusive and um, almost killed him. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that he allows his parents to get the best lawyers money could buy and, and put Garnett away for what she did was just self-preservation. Right. And he allows it to happen. Never comes clean. So he really is, he's never, never redeemed. No. Okay. Um, Sam goes to visit Garnett and notices that she's developing the rigid jaw and tight lips of a person expecting the worst. I, I just love some of your sentences. Um, I love that description. 
So then we get to this question, why does Garnett make such bad decisions? Yeah. Because she's young. She was young, I think. I think it's a it's a coming kind of coming of age in a sense. Her story is a little bit just um, maturing um, and realizing those bad decisions. I think a lot of young girls make dumb decisions. You know, they choose the wrong person. They they don't have a lot of confidence. Someone comes along, finds them attractive, and they just go with it because they just hadn't learned. And it's a very kind of um, you know, lower on the kind of social, um, eco economic scale, like people with less, uh, tend to maybe let this happen more, I suppose that someone comes along and, um, shows them some affection and they just, um, they just, they just go with it. So I think it's a lot, <sighs> I think it's a very young female thing, <laughs> unfortunately. Yep. So now we have um, another really nice character, Larry, who hires Sam at the newspaper. He just seems to be a really good guy. But nobody in this novel is what they seem to be. What do you think about him, Larry? Larry, he's he he's um, so he is not as not as big a character, so doesn't get as as developed. But he. you know, he has this little habit that he has. And um, so he is, I don't know, he's kind of just, he's kind of just, he's kind of just a lonely, he's just a lonely guy. And I think he really got, he really got thrown for a loop when his wife left, like that really floored him. And because he's a loyal, he's loyal, and he's good. And so when she did that to him, he just, he just couldn't really recover and ended up just being, just being incredibly lonely. So that's another, another one of the strands that I really enjoyed. I felt happy for, for him um, that he found kind of some friends. (laughs) Yeah. And can you briefly introduce the side characters, Tommy, Hanky and Derby? Okay. So, so Tommy is, um, Larry's son and, uh, whose mom Pearl had taken him off, um, when he was very young, left, uh, Larry behind, uh, because she met, <laughs> because she met a born again, um, soap salesman. <laughs> um, this is, these are like the kinds of things that I just like writing for me is just the most, like, just so much fun. <laughs> you can make up characters like that, but, um, and then he, so he, I just, I adore him. He's like, he's a great guy, you know, um, also really thinks for himself. Um, uh, but kind of, and Hanky's a good guy too, but Hanky's just a little fairly apathetic. And then Derby is um, not a good person either, an amateur kind of drug dealer, uh, wants to be big time. I kind of based the three of them. I grew up with an older brother. Um, who had a lot of teenage and twenty early twenty year old kind of friends around, and um, they're sort of like based like their sort of um, their personalities and their um, you know ways of being and all that is is sort of um, lightly based on my brother and his friends. That kind of like I really kind of I understand the like young male apathy <laughs> that sometimes sometimes guys can 
uh, I think can fall into. I think now what happens with those guys is they play video games, but back in my day, it was more like they just were watching like reruns of the love boat and stuff because they just <laughs> couldn't kind of get up and do anything else, you know? Right. So, yeah. So, but I, I have a soft spot in my heart for both uh, Tawny and, and Hanky. And I, I do, you know, hopefully Derby will, will come around. One, day. One major theme of just river. I thought, is the search for a meaningful connection to other people. Everybody was, unless they were druggies, they were, they right. were all searching. It almost yeah. felt like it was as powerful an urge as the urge that some of your characters had to overeat or overdrink or abuse drugs. What do you think? Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. That was really well put. Yes, absolutely. That's, I think that's, um, I think that's very much what, what the, what it's about. Uh, I couldn't say it better than you. Well done. <laughs> okay, you're welcome to use it. So, in other yeah. words, it's it's a book. That's the the meaningful connection to other people is the the bottom line. But then the story of of each person, the loneliness and the searching and the just trying so hard and missing cues from other people, even the most well meaning people. The missing of cues is another big theme you have going on. That um, yeah, it's really it was charming. So, what are you working on next, Sarah? So, I am uh, halfway, hopefully, or maybe a little more into um, into another novel. Um, uh, this one is about um, a family, and, and the mom and the teenage son go to Galicia. So, I've spent a lot of time in Spain. Um, and Galicia specifically. And um, I'm having a lot of fun with that, like describing describing life over there. And hopefully it'll be a, have that kind of fun, like travel-y kind of um, en- entertainment value to it. So hopefully people will, who, let, who enjoy like reading about different cultures will enjoy watching these Americans and how they get on over there. I so. also love when, when authors uh, talk about the food they eat when they're, when they're over there. It, when they're in when they're space. traveling in other countries yes oh, you write you write mysteries about about food yes so some people yeah. die mm-hmm. and everybody else eats breakfast lunch and dinner <laughs> that's fantastic thank you so much for joining me today it's been a pleasure thank you galit it's been really fun thanks for having me on and thank you for joining me again this is gp gottlieb author of the whipped and sipped mystery series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today I've been talking with Sarah B. Fraser, author of the novel Just River. May you always be immersed in a juicy novel. Happy reading!